0: Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we're able to begin our day together in prayer. Today is Tuesday, and now is the season after Pentecost. Today we continue our reading of 2 Corinthians. In worship over these next few weeks, the second reading will be taken from this particular letter. Please feel free to share any questions or insights that come to you uh, this week, and I encourage you uh, uh, to read through 2 uh, Corinthians on your own and formulate any kind of questions and thoughts uh, that might come up uh, as we go along. And, and let me in on it. Share them with me. You can always drop me an email at PastorJim2006 at iCloud.com. And now we begin our time of prayer together in silence. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. A reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You see, I settled it in my mind that I wouldn't make you another sad visit. After all, if I make you sad, who is there to cheer me up except the one who is sad because of me? And I wrote what I did so that I wouldn't come and find sadness where I should have found joy. I have this confidence about all of you that my joy belongs to all of you. No, I wrote to you in a floods of tears, out of great trouble and anguish in my heart. Not so that I could make you sad, but so that you would know just how much overflowing love I have toward you. But if anyone has caused sadness, it isn't me that he has saddened, but in a measure, I don't want to emphasize this too much, all of you. The punishment that the majority has imposed is quite enough. What's needed now is rather that you should forgive and console him in case someone like that might be swallowed up by such an abundant sorrow. Let me urge you then to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote to you, you see, was in order to know whether you would pass the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone anything, so do I. And whatever I have forgiven, if indeed I have forgiven anyone anything, it's all happened under the eyes of the Messiah, and for your own sake. The point is that we shouldn't be outsmarted by the Satan. We know what he's up to. However, when I came to Troas to announce the Messiah's gospel and found an open door waiting for me in the Lord, I couldn't get any quietness in my spirit because I didn't find my brother Titus there, So I left them and went off to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, the God who always leads us in his triumphal procession in the Messiah and through us reveals everywhere the sweet smell of knowing him. We are the Messiah's fragrance before God, you see, to those who are being saved and to those who are being lost. To the latter, it's a smell which comes from death and leads to death. But to the former, it's the smell of life which leads to life. Who can rise to this challenge? We aren't mere peddlers of God's word, as so many people are. We speak with sincerity. We speak from God. We speak in God's presence. We speak in the Messiah. Recently, there's been more talk about church discipline in our branch of the church. As we have recognized the sinful and destructive power of racism and sexism in our communities, we have struggled with what might be the best way to cleanse ourselves and our communities from these persistent sins. This is not a simple or easy argument, and we don't have time or the place here for that conversation to get started, but we can use the specter of those emotional arguments uh, as a way of seeing what is going on in Second Corinthians 2. Somewhere in the past, Paul advocated for the church to discipline a member of that community for what can only be, we can only believe to be an open and public life of sin. A life that threatens to lead others astray, troubles the conscience of others in the community, and in general uh, threatens to break their <laughs> unity in Christ apart. The church acted and put this person out of the fellowship. Now Paul exhorts them to forgive and to restore this person as a brother in Christ, lest, as Paul say, the burden and the sadness of his rejection uh, leads not to his repentance, but to despair. There was the time to put him out, the time to discipline, but now a time for love and forgiveness. How interesting that discipline and forgiveness go hand in hand. How interesting that Paul is not interested in hatred or punishment or grudges or even in judging in and of itself, but in love and truth and the living out of the good news of Jesus and the fellowship of this community in Christ. Forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration are at the heart of the gospel. The good news is about dying to sin and self and enjoying the resurrection to life in fellowship with God and God's people. Maybe what bothers me most about the conversations that we are having uh, about the sins of sexism and racism and all sorts of other sins in our church today is that I fear in their zeal some may impose too great a burden or drive some to despair. In some ways, that's what today's reformers are working to readjust. That is, they're working to 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 redeploy a a kind of harsh discipline and exclusion that had crushed some with their unrelenting act of forgiveness. But to set this right, we also must be sure that we do not fall into the same sin of zealous righteousness, a sin that Paul is all too aware of himself. How refreshing it would be For our congregation to actively wonder how a fellowship of Jesus' people ought to love today and do so with sincerity and love, with confession and absolution, with the desire to live a life in accordance with God's will and God's word, and also to look at each other with love and forgiveness, in Jesus' name. to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. In you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially this morning, we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for your new creation in Christ and for all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the gift of relationship with others, for the gift of forgiveness and reconciliation, for the communion of faith in your church. For what else are we thankful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus the living Lord. Especially, we pray, for those who are sick, for those who are afflicted, for those who are oppressed, for those who are mourning and bereaved. For all who care for the sick, for those who govern the nations of the world, for the people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who are at work, working for peace and international harmony, for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction, and for all who work to bear witness to your life and your love in their everyday life for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land. And for who else or for what else do we pray today? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom.